You're listening to the Group Practice Exchange Podcast, a podcast for psychotherapy group practice owners where you learn the business side of running a group practice. I'm your host, Maureen Werbach. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Group Practice Exchange Podcast. I'm your host, Maureen Werbach. Today's episode is sponsored by Therapy Notes. If you're interested in trying two free months out over the typical one month, you can go to the group. Um, oh my gosh, I do this every single time. Therapynotes.com forward slash R forward slash the group practice exchange or just use the code the group practice exchange. All right. So today's episode is a coaching episode and I have Tracy Peary on with me and we're going to be talking about how to create an office culture when you're not actually in the office and when your employees are on different schedules where they don't overlap. So I'm really excited to talk to her today. Hey, Tracy. Hi. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So start off with just letting people know why this question um, came up for you in the um, Exchange Membership site and tell us a little bit about your practice and why this is important now. Sure. So I'm just a baby practice. I'm getting started. I have three employees, one of whom is a supervisee and is um, planning to head out after another year into private practice herself. So she's just kind of like a, I don't, she's kind of half an employee, half doing her own thing. Um, so I started, I have a private practice that's part-time and then I have this group practice. Um, and uh, the group, they're in two different locations. One's in Austin, one's in Round Rock, which is a suburb of Boston. Okay. And um, so all my employees are in Round Rock and they are, um, they all have different schedules. So my supervisee is in there primarily during the days, during the week. Um, and then the other two employees are both part-time employers and I, I have employees and I, I hired them on purpose because I wanted to have we're self-pay and to get us started. I wanted to have very flexible scheduling for clients um, so they only work weekends and evenings and they have full-time jobs outside of that. Okay. So, um, and they're sharing office space. So they're, they never overlap. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, that's how we, that's how we have some of our staff as well, especially those that I've have been in my practice for a long time before, um, I started really growing and wanting full-time people. Um, we, I have like one clinician who works a Monday or Tuesday. Tuesday through Friday from mm-hmm. nine to five. And then I have someone who works Monday through Thursday from five to nine. So if anything, they see each other for like one second as one right. leaves and the other uses the room. So I, I totally get that. Yeah. So, you know, trying to make smart financial decisions um, have ended in a real kind of blank in how to how to be able to develop the relationship with them and do leadership piece, um, you know, as the boss and then how to build relationship for them. And just so you know, my, um, so the practice is set up, it's a sexual abuse and sexual assault specific, um, trauma, you know, thing. Yeah. So, um, the idea was to have a really great, um, kind of, um, you know, warm, accepting, place for both the clients and the clinicians. So I wanted to take really good care of them so that they don't burn out so that my clients can have more and more kind of expert specialized care for this population that a lot of times gets, you know, kind of either newbies or people that are burned out because it's right. such a hard population. So, right. um, 
so I really want them to have support both from me and from, from each other. Um, and I'm just struggling on how to bring them together. And then I feel like um, one of my clinicians is really open to this and the other two really aren't. Um, they just want to do their thing and kind of get in there, get out and are not really interested in doing a lot of the other stuff. So a lot of the ideas that I floated have kind of just like, like not been received well because they don't want to really spend any time outside of seeing clients. Right. And so my second question is kind of how to hire more wisely in the future. Right. Um, so that I'm looking for people that really want that, um, you know, kind of that supported and connected um, atmosphere. Um, perfect. So the the first thing you are kind of touching on in this in the last part of your questions, um, which is you won't have the type of clinicians you want in your practice until you fully realize what it is you want. And I'm sensing that you're getting to a place where um, you're realizing that some of the things that you want, one being this kind of team culture uh, and, and space of connection, um, might not be happening because it sounds like uh, two out of your three are more of that, you know, come and do your thing and go um, mm-hmm. sort of sort of uh, mentality. And that is really hard uh, to undo, especially if that's kind of the, the what makes the most comfortable. And right. um, so you mentioned, the last thing you mentioned is how to hire um, better in the future when it comes to at least this piece, because it might be that you're hiring really well in terms of their specialty area and, and how they do therapy and work with that population. And that's obviously one piece of the, of the puzzle of who it, who it is that you need um, or who your ideal clinician is. One of the things that I learned pretty quickly after I realized how important it was that uh, an office culture that's positive and connecting and sort of family, like we always call ours, kind of this family Mm-hmm. Um, sort of space, a second family, um, was really in the hiring of people that um, resonated with that idea. And so one, the first thing that we did was we put it on our website. And if you look on our about section, and if you look in um, our employment page, you'll see that that's one of the top thing. And that's the only thing that we really screen for more than anything else is that because uh, for us in, in our practice, just based off of our um, what we value and find most important is that um, team culture is really hard to um, to teach. If someone's not wanting to be a team player, if someone's really wanting to do their own thing, they're not really going to be a good fit for a place that is going to constantly be pushing them to be a part of this team. Mm-hmm. Um, Whereas with clinical skills, that's something that you can teach if that's something that they're interested in, right? If they're like, I want to, you know, be a trauma therapist, um, even if they're, and this is just for our practice, for your practice might be equally important to find someone who is specifically trained in something and not in a place where they're still training to be that because um, mm-hmm. your, your practice is a little bit more niched. Um, but with, for us, our, our main focus was on that culture piece. So um, we just make sure that just for the initial step that our website and our employment page, so you'll see um, and I've talked about this before as one of kind of the touch points during the interviewing process is that the first thing that we do is we have them fill out, um, even if we have an application on, on Indeed or on LinkedIn, um, that application, there's a link in there that goes to our own Google um, form that we made. 
and it's a separate application that's specific to our practice because those um, websites tend to have generic things. You can't really edit the questions a lot. And our um, application itself focuses a lot on um, culture. So it'll talk about, you know, things like what have your past uh, colleagues said is, um, you know, the your what they liked most about you or what they liked working with, with you most about. Um, what would your colleagues say is something that you need to still work on? Our, and then we would be very clear, like our practice is very focused on like um, team culture. Um, you're an ideal client, uh, clinician if, and then we list out some things like you pop into to, uh, other colleagues' rooms and chit-chat between sessions. If you're the person that comes to our um, annual, you know, barbecue, summer barbecue, if, if you get lit up, like, by um, going out for dinner with or lunch with colleagues between client sessions, you're not an ideal um, clinician if um, you like to keep your door closed between sessions, if you like to just come in, do your work, and get out. So we're really clear on that, and we make it – pretty like you're good you're a good fit here if you know check 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 and you're not going to be a great fit and you're not going to like it we're not going to like it if and then check 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 and it makes it really clear for them to know you know up front if that's something that uh, really excites them or not the second piece is um when we actually do our in-person so if they check off like yep this is like totally me um Obviously, if they're really needing, you know, money or they are, you know, really wanting to get out of a place that they're at, they could say, yeah, sure, this is good, even if it's not. Because obviously, um, most people will say that connecting with their colleagues is a positive, but that doesn't mean that it's necessarily something they value. And I find that those two things are pretty separate. Um, Most people are going to be like, no, I just want everyone to leave me alone. Um, they'll say, of course, I want to like my colleagues. And of course, I want to talk to my colleagues. But it's, it's different to to think that um, versus like truly valuing that and wanting to, to find a place that values that specific thing. And mm-hmm. so during the in-person interviews, we'll stress those points again. And we really look for the nonverbal stuff. And I've found it's such a simple um, idea, but I found that it's if you're really watching as you're talking about what your mission or your values are in your practice, as well as what um, the culture of your practice is and kind of what you expect in terms of how they just navigate the office space between client sessions, you'll, you'll be able to see if they're just nodding through and, and saying, yep, I understand versus saying like, that's actually one of the reasons why I applied to your place. And that's what we get a lot of now, just because we've been around a while is that people will say, you know, a colleague friend of mine said, that, um, you know, you, you guys have like an awesome space where you get to have fun and, and there's a lot of connecting going on. So people actually come because of that and apply. And obviously that takes a while to get to that point. But during the interview process, you can see when you're talking about that and you give yourself time to spend five minutes talking about team culture, what the office space looks like and feels like on a, on a typical day. And you're describing that if you, you'll be able to see very quickly if they're just nodding through saying like, Oh, that's nice. Uh, that sounds really cool versus being enthusiastic about it and saying like, you'll see them. I, it's so clear on, on my end when they're, they're kind of like, okay, versus yeah, that totally is exciting. I I haven't had a workplace like that. That's what I'm yearning for. And that's how you know that they're going to be at least in terms of the culture fit more likely than not to be a good fit. Now, obviously there might be some other non-negotiables and you obviously have to ask about those, but when it comes to the culture, that's how we've done really good when it comes to having a a good group of people who 
just have fun. I literally walked into this office. I have a, I was telling you, I have a uh, supervisor meeting in like 15 minutes or so. And, Mm -hmm. um, I don't normally work out of this office. It's one of my, it's my newest office space. And, um, so I only come here when it's our team meeting time. Um, and it's once a month and I just pop into like one office cause it's really early in the morning. So there's only a couple people here and I just looked and there's sticky notes, two of them on this desk. Cause people share, uh, offices kind of like how, how you have it set up. Um, and I see on here one sticky note that says, hi, Nick and Faria smiley face Steph." So it's Steph who must've been Stephanie, who must've been sitting in here saying hi to Nick and Freya. And then Nick underneath writes, Hey, how are you liking this office? And then it says Nick. And then her underneath is like, you know, loving this office. What do you, you know, how are things going? And then I see another sticky note that says, I sometimes wonder if Freya ever reads my notes. I will write this down and find out. He's like super like hilarious. Mm -hmm. So he leaves like these little notes for, and he's in his office. And then whoever's in his office later, who he knows is in the office when he's not there, will write back. And that's like one of those, for me, it just, I I was cracking up as I was setting my computer up in this room being like, look at what they're doing in here. Um, But that for me is the culture that I'm looking for. Um, And so, you know, just kind of, going tying in with the how you hire and how enthusiastic they are about it with you it can definitely definitely work even if you have clinicians who aren't working at the same time and who might not necessarily ever see each other they can you know still have these relationships um so i want to move to your initial question because you have a two-part question which is when you're not in the office how do you create a culture and then with the overlapping stuff um and one of the things that I really noticed is that culture isn't something, workplace culture isn't something that can be um, like expressed or said, and then it just happens. Mm-hmm. I've found, uh, and it's something that I learned when I opened my second location up um, three or four years ago, my first location was just, I thought it naturally just happened to be this really good working cultural, culturally positive place. and. Um, it, I just, I really honestly sort of left out because I wasn't intentional about it. And it wasn't until I opened the second location that it, when it didn't uh, naturally happen that way, that I realized how much I valued that and how I needed to be very intentional and purposeful and, and doing all these other things that I mentioned earlier in the episode now. And so um, what I'll say is it's a little bit more difficult when you're not in the office um, and, and one of the things that you'll have to do is you can't leave it up to your staff to, um, cultivate that. And so in whatever way it works for you, I know that you're a smaller practice. Um, but when I was at three, I, my clinical director became my clinical director. She only worked one day or she only was doing one hour a week of clinical director work. And now she only sees a handful of clients and is 95% clinical director, mm-hmm. um, but at the time that was part of her thing was to really just one hour a week um, do supervision if it was needed because we have fully licensed people, so it wasn't required. Um, but to really engage in the positive culture, uh, workplace culture aspect. And so it's if you're not in the office, having it written down in a policies and procedures manual isn't going to be effective enough because it's something that needs to be modeled over and over. Um, and, and that's another piece that we learned is you can't, it's not something that you foster and cultivate and then it starts and then it runs itself that way. It's something that if you don't continuously foster that sort of, um, 
positive culture that it will with time can start to go back down again. Um, Mm -hmm. And so my suggestion would be if you're not in the office to have someone who can be that person and it might be a clinical director, it might be a supervisor or it might be a clinician who, um, you know, I'm horrible with coming up with names of anything from micro practice to any of my businesses to titles of positions, but you could, you can have a clinician who um, you feel is, good at that. And it might be that one person you said, um, two, you know, you have three clinicians, one is really into it. The other two aren't, but maybe that's a person who becomes like the workplace culture lead. I don't know. I mean, like I said, I'm horrible with names, but, um, if you're not in need of someone in a sort of supervisory leadership role, even in a like workplace culture, you can make a workplace culture role where she, um, is one that initiates that. And going to your second question, which is, she might have a different schedule from other people. We have that similar thing. Um, some of our clinicians are full-time, um, but we do have a few from who have started, you know, eight, seven years ago with my practice who work 15 hours a week. Um, and what they do is we have like, I mean, there's a million different small things you can do, whether it's, we have a dry erase board where each week our supervisor at each location like puts a fun personal like question, like if you could be any famous actor, actress, who would it be? And then it's an interesting way. And then people write on the dry erase board and there, and then, you know, um, someone might write something that you're like, Oh my gosh, I totally agree with that. And so there'll be some like back and forth dialogue on this dry erase board. And it's with people who might not necessarily be seeing each other. We have, um, there's the ability to do like, uh, you know, a Friday or, you know, a Thursday night dinner, um, where people can opt to come and it's, you know, employee paid is something you have to cover, but where the staff can, you know, walk to the local, uh, a local restaurant. That's a few, you know, I don't know how your space is set up, but we're in a, a town that has some restaurants so they could potentially walk over there. It might be mm-hmm. that you have something like that. Um, we do a once a month yoga session. It's restorative yoga. Cause we have a lot of our clinicians do trauma work as well, EMDR and all that. And so, um, I rent out a yoga studio for 150 bucks once a month. And for two hours, uh, someone there does restorative yoga and Reiki and any of the staff can go there for self-care time, but then obviously they get to connect, um, and kind of talk out there with two. And so in terms of getting people to connect when they might not necessarily see each other, just is a, um, matter of finding creative ways throughout the month for them to connect, whether it's in person or whether it's through a dry erase board or, um, through a virtual Zoom staff meeting, you know, um, and that's how some teletherapy practices or practices that have locations that are far away from each other will do it is having, you know, meetings once a week or once a month that are on Zoom, um, similar to how I do my Q&A sessions where it looks kind of Brady Bunch style. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, it's a way for them to see each other. It's a way for them to connect. Um, but it's just a matter of finding what, you know, handful of different methods work for your practice and make sense for your practice. And then having someone who can actually, um, model that and prioritize that. And so if you're not in the office, my, you know, bottom line answer is at some point, you'll probably have to have someone who's willing to, or who's not even willing to, but who wants to take charge of that culture team building piece, um, who can, you know, throughout each week, spend a little bit of time, uh, enforcing that. Um, and it's so looping back to my, uh, bringing up my second practice that didn't naturally have that happen. When we realized my clinical director and I realized that that was actually way more important than we realized. 
we, um, you know, then started becoming much more intentional about who we were hiring and making sure that they would fit. Um, but then we also started going to that office and, and went to that office two days a week and went to our original office two days a week. And we would, my, my billing person started working over there as well. Everyone who was from the original space started, um, spending who are admin or supervisors would spend time in that second space, literally cultivating that. And our whole purpose was to just do our work out of that location to show the people, the clinicians in that location, what we were wanting and modeling what we were needing. Um, and so we would be popping our heads in their office, which they weren't used to and saying like, Hey, what's going on? Sitting on their you know couches and talking about life and asking that, you know, for me, my thing is always, I'm a, you know, a uh, love languages person. I'm a gift giver uh, type. So can I get you a Starbucks? Let me go. I'm going to go run and do a Starbucks run. What do you guys want? Or I'm going to go do a pizza run. What do you guys want? Um, my clinical director is more of a verbal words of affirmation type of person. So she would pop in the office and talk to each person and slowly, but surely they realized um, what we were looking for. And it just naturally started working for them as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was, you know, one person that it didn't fit for. And that person, it just, you know, any, if you read any leadership book, these are some of the, the ideal team player talks about this a lot is that if they're not a good fit in terms of culture, it just like anything else, it might mean that they need to find a space that is better suited to them. If they're wanting to be totally independent, if they're wanting to just like, you know, let me do my work and then let me go. Mm-hmm. There's a good place for them somewhere, but that's not going to be our place. And they might be a great fit for us as a clinician um, doing clinical work, but they're not a good fit when it comes to the um, workplace culture piece. Mm-hmm. Sorry, that was really long. I, d- I feel like I just talked for 99% of that. That's a good idea. Yeah. yeah. Um, any last sort of questions? I feel like I answered the two that you mentioned in the, in the Facebook group, but mm-hmm. in listening to this, is there anything else that's coming up for you before we sort of close yeah, off on this? I, I think that, I mean, along with the culture is just kind of disseminating information. Um, mm-hmm. And um, so one of the ideas that I had was to have either like a monthly email or kind of like a newsletter. Mm-hmm. Um, that, a newsletter I like because if it's email based, I can do videos. And yeah, I was, I was just going to say, if you can, yeah. um, people won't read emails. I, right. I learned that maybe the first one you send because it's something new, they'll read. But if you can do a video newsletter and there's a few group practices that I see who um, that's their thing is to do like either a weekly or a monthly um, like video what's up about the practice. And um, they all say that it's actually well received because it feels a little bit more personal. So I love that idea. And I think that's a great way for you who isn't maybe not in the office to still connect with the, with the people in the office. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then it can be something that they see at a different time. And actually somebody was just telling me about um, Marco Polo and they use it in their practice to do just completely social stuff, but I may use it differently um, for this purpose because then people can come pop back in and add their own stuff to it. So yeah, totally. Marco Polo is great is great for feeling like you're actually connecting with them when you're talking to them because you can because you can see each other. Yeah, Marco Polo is a great app um, for that purpose. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, any other questions that are coming up? I don't. I don't think so for now. Yeah, it's just getting it kind of 
you know, in my mind and then setting the time apart um, to make sure that it's, that it's happening on a regular basis. So yeah, that's the key is, is you can't, you can build it and, and start to get people on board, right. but then um, there's gotta be, you gotta maintain it. And so there's, right. there's a little bit of work in that maintenance mode, um, mm-hmm. which if you're not in that office might be helpful to have someone who can um, take that on, who, who likes that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. definitely. So right. great. Well, yeah. Thanks for coming on and uh, happy Thank Monday you. to you. I feel like my, I always say happy Monday because I do these podcast episodes every <laughs> Monday. Um, but yeah, enjoy the rest of your week and keep us posted. If you start to like actually move along that road and, and do some work in, in the team building uh, arena, mm-hmm. let us know how it's going. I will. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Yeah. Have a good one. You too. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Group Practice Exchange podcast. We'll see you next time.